Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we are going to finally finish up chapter 5 in our sermon series on kingdom living, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached on this earth by our Lord. And we are going to wrap up a a big section this morning by looking at one verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, the last verse in the chapter. This is God's holy and authoritative word to us this morning. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Lord, even just one verse causes us to shudder and tremble and and even worries us because we read that and we, we can't do that. That seems impossible to be perfect. Lord, we know you have a word for us this morning. We know you have truth to convey. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to lay it upon our hearts so that we would be changed. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Nobody's perfect. That's the the mantra of our day, right? Nobody is perfect. Every time someone slips up or even sins or gets caught in a sin, what is the refrain? What is the chorus that follows? Nobody's perfect, right? We even had this scene played out this week in the media, where a very prominent news personality fabricated a story in which he was shot down in a helicopter during a war in Iraq. And after he was actually called out by the, the pilots who were actually flying him in Iraq on that day and said, that's not exactly what happened. Those pilots were from Alabama. But what was, his, what was his answer being called out on his slip-up? He said the, the fog of his memory made him misremember what exactly happened. That's essentially, what was he saying? <laughs> well, nobody's perfect. And I don't want to give this man too hard of a time because I certainly don't want anyone broadcasting my sins and my lies all over the news media. But the mantra of nobody's perfect cannot be the mantra of the Christian life. Jesus doesn't allow this answer to be given by his disciples. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect cannot be the scapegoat that we use every time that we sin or we fail to tell the truth or whatever the case may be. But rather, Jesus here calls us to do something seemingly impossible. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we come now to the end of the first of the three chapters of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if you even just look there in your copies of the Scripture, you'll notice that 
verses 17 through 47 in chapter 5 are, are one section, one, one discourse from our Lord in which Jesus is teaching that he did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And now he's going to show us that the perfect and the ultimate fulfillment of the law is found in the perfections of God the Father. He is the one who is perfect. Last week, I admittedly told you that I didn't like what Jesus had commanded. I didn't like that he says, love your enemies and pray for them. But under the conviction of God's word and the truth that we see there, we see that we must follow Jesus' words here. We must follow his commands because that is what a son and a daughter of God does. They emulate their father and they show common grace and love to all as he does. We're to love our enemy, not love their sin, but to love them in the way the Heavenly Father loves them. And we love them because of the gospel, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the scriptures tell us. And now we come to the conclusion of these six different antitheses that Jesus has been giving. He says, here's what the Pharisees taught, but no, I tell you, you are to live this way. There were six examples that he gave in chapter 5. And he's been teaching how our righteousness is to be greater than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And he concludes it all by saying, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. At this point, let's just be honest. I want to say, gee, thanks, Jesus. There's the solution to all my problems. Just be perfect. That's easy to say, right? Just, just be perfect and all your problems will go away. Because we read these words and we immediately want to just give up and stop trying to live the Christian life. Because these words aren't very encouraging. They're very hard. They're seemingly words of death. Because we know deep down inside of all of us, nobody is perfect. So what is Jesus calling us to here? What is he saying to us? Well, I want to propose to you that Christ is teaching that a Christian, a disciple, one who claims to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is called to pursue the perfections of God the Father. A disciple who Jesus is talking to here, those who claim to be followers of Christ, We are called to pursue the perfections of God the Father. And so that's what we're going to look at here. We're going to examine it in three parts. Here are the three things we're going to look at. One, we're we're called to be perfect because we're called to do more. We're going to look back to 47 for that. Secondly, we're called to be perfect because this is our Lord Jesus' command to us. And third, we are called to be perfect because of our Heavenly Father, who is perfect. So those are the three things we're going to look at. First, we're called to be perfect because we're called to do more. Look back up there to verse 47, just above verse 48. Jesus asked a very haunting question to the believer in the, this verse when he says, what more are you doing than others? It's a question directed at the disciple. 
what more are you doing than others? In other words, what about your life is markedly different so that the watching world will know that you are a disciple? What is the extra in your life? What is the, what is the more in your life that Christians must display? What is, makes you different? Or even as we said last week, what makes you weird to a watching world? What, how will folks know that you are radically following the Lord Jesus Christ? What more are you doing? This more that Jesus is calling us to here is perfection. Not just moral perfection. Not someone who dresses perfectly. Not someone who has all the perfect Christian vocabulary words down to impress everyone but someone who seeks the perfections that God the Father has set out in his word. In this case, what is more, what the extra that a disciple is called to do, they're they're called to pursue the perfections of God the Father that are laid out in his word. His word is his will. His word is his ways. A Christian loves the word of God, and a Christian lives the word of God. A scripture holds on to that great truth from 2 Timothy chapter 3 where the Apostle Paul says all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the more here that Jesus is calling us to here is pursuing the perfections of God the Father that are found in the principles and in the application of his word to our lives. That is a radical thing that you can do in this day and age. Actually read what the scriptures say and and try to do it. Because that's the more that he's calling us to. And we, we went through a whole bunch of mores. If you've missed all that, please go back and listen to the sermons because they're very convicting as we looked at God's word what he calls his disciples to be. So we're called to more. Secondly, we're called to be perfect because this is our Lord Jesus' command here. There's no way to get around these words. They are in the imperative. (laughs) This is a command, just like one of the Ten Commandments. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And at first, this command to be perfect leaves us discouraged because it seems unattainable. It seems downright impossible to follow because nobody's perfect. And we know from our theology that only God is perfect. But that's the key. That is the key. Only God is perfect. The idea is that God's people must imitate their heavenly father who is perfect. We are not to imitate the the Pharisees and the religious leaders. We're not to imitate man. We're to imitate God. This is not a, a new idea in the Bible. In the book of Leviticus, we see repeated at least five different times where God's people are called to imitate Yahweh their God, where it says, be holy, God Yahweh says, for 
I am holy. But here, the call here is not for us to be holy, it's to be perfect. But the call to imitate God and, and, and portray his righteousness is not a new thing. Followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus, they follow God the Father. They seek to emulate his righteousness. It's important to note here, though, that Jesus is not teaching perfectionism. In other words, he is not saying that you can actually obtain and live a sinless life. He's not teaching that one could reach a higher spiritual state and be sinless before death. That is not what our Lord is teaching. We know this because just one chapter later, we'll be studying the Lord's Prayer. And in this prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, there's a very important element in there called confession that he teaches. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Christ is not expecting us to be morally perfect or sinless in some way. Because if he did, he would not have taught us to pray in this way. So our Lord is not teaching perfectionism. Jesus is teaching that disciples are to pursue the perfections, to pursue the ways of their heavenly Father who is perfect. And Jesus never hinted, not one time, that there could possibly be a time before death that we would never need forgiveness of sins. We will only know that perfection of being perfectly sinless until we appear before the heavenly throne. But nevertheless, we are to be perfect. Because that is what Jesus commands. That is fulfilling the law. And so we do this by pursuing the perfections of God the Father. The late theologian and Bible scholar William Hendrickson says this, about pursuing the perfections of God. A follower of Jesus cannot do otherwise. A follower of Jesus cannot do otherwise. In other words, what's the alternative for the Christian? Are we going to pursue sin and live like the world? Or are we going to pursue the perfections of God the Father found in his word? Are we going to seek to imitate Christ and pursue his perfection? Or what? And I, and I don't think Jesus wants us to dance around the Greek word here for the word perfect. Because <laughs> that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to say, oh, I know what Jesus meant here. He didn't really mean that I had to be perfect. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> because... We can't wiggle our way around what this word means and, and what this word implies. It, this word does mean, and the understanding from the Greek word for perfect does mean uh, to be mature, to be brought to completion, to be uh, full grown, to be fully developed. There is the implication here that we're to grow in Christ and mature as believers, but one who pursues the perfection of God is, is, is the one who is seeking to grow in Christ, mature as a disciple, to grow in their faith and in their understanding of God's word. 
And that is what he calls us to. Ultimately, Jesus states this. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Because a disciple, a kingdom-minded follower of Christ, should be perfect and pursue the perfections of God the Father. Because a Christian should never be satisfied with halfway obedience to the law of God, but should be holy, should be wholeheartedly devoted to his word. Let me say that again. A Christian should never be satisfied with halfway obedience to the law of God, but should be wholeheartedly devoted to the word. Following the word, this is what it means to pursue the perfections of God, to be perfect. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, he had a whole chapter in his book on mere Christianity devoted to this one verse. It troubled Lewis. He called the, the, the title of that chapter was Counting the Cost. And so he summarized the issue that Jesus presents to us in this way. He said, I find a good many people have been bothered by our Lord's words, be perfect. Yes, yes, that's true. (laughs) Some people seem to think this means unless you are perfect, I will not help you. And as we cannot be perfect, then if he meant that, our position is hopeless. But I do not think he meant that. I think he meant that the only help I will give is help to become perfect. You may want something less, but I give you nothing less. I think he nails it. (laughs) Because that's the way we read that. We read, be perfect as your heavenly father perfect. And we think, well, I can't be perfect, so I might as well just forget about it. (laughs) Because nobody's perfect. But that's not, Jesus didn't put a a disclaimer on here. He didn't say, unless you are perfect, I will not help you. Jesus says, I know you're not perfect. I know you cannot live perfect. And that's why I've come to help you. That's why I've sent my spirit. That's why I've died for you. And that's why Jesus, in a sense here, says, the help that I give you, the counsel I give to you, what I've come to do for you is, is to help you become perfect. And, and Lewis is right. We, we, we kind of want less. We kind of will settle for kind of halfway perfection, right? If I could just be a little perfect. But Jesus wants to give us nothing less. And that is what God the Father wants to do. He wants to mold us into the image of Christ. And the Bible says that one day we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Lewis is right. In our sinful hearts, we want Jesus to agree with us when we say, I'm not perfect and nobody's perfect. We want that to be a way to kind of absolve our guilt. That way we can feel good about ourselves and feel absolved about our imperfections and our sins. But our Lord does not leave us in that way. He gives us more. He calls us to more. His Spirit helps us to pursue biblical perfection. And that is why our Savior is so wonderful. He gives us the power to pursue the perfections of God. He he not only commands it, He gives us help. 
So last, we're called to be perfect because our Heavenly Father is perfect. We suppress sinful angers in our lives. We guard our hearts against lust. We hate divorce and love God's design for marriage. We tell the truth. We die to ourselves and live to God. We love our enemies. We pursue perfection. We do all these things because our Heavenly Father is perfect and He calls His children to pursue this perfection. It is the Father's perfection that we should pursue because that is what sons of God do. Sons and daughters of God pursue perfections of God. The pastor Mark Ross said this, he said, God aims to reveal himself in the very character of his children, the sons of the living God. The character of the king is the true standard of righteousness in his kingdom. Being like him in all our ways must be the goal of our lives. I agree. There it is. Do you want to be a follower of Christ? Do you want to share his gospel with the watching world? Then be his child. And God the Father will reveal himself through you to a watching world. Because what we do is we emulate the king. We want to be just like him. And pursue him with all of our hearts. We're to be like our heavenly father. And in the process will be conformed to the image of his son. What's cool about this is that Jesus doesn't just say, be perfect, and then move on. He, he elaborates much more on this. Did you know that Jesus actually prays to God the Father on our behalf so that we can actually follow through with this seemingly impossible command to be perfect? Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. Jesus actually prays that we can fulfill this command. And he does it in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Let me just read a few verses starting in verse 20. This is Jesus praying to God the Father. I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, 
and I in them. Look at what Jesus says there. We could go through every bit of this, but in verse 30, 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. There it is. Our, our Lord, our precious Lord, prays for us, helps us to pursue the perfections of God the Father. Matthew Henry says this, he says, It is the duty of Christians to desire and aim at and press toward perfection in grace and holiness. And therein we must study to conform ourselves to the example of our Heavenly Father. Surely more is to be expected from the followers of Christ than from others. Surely more will be found in them than in others. Let us beg of God to enable us to prove ourselves His children. Let us beg of God (laughs) to prove ourselves his children. That is what we must do. No, we're not perfect. Father, help me to be perfect. Help me to be a worthy child. This week, I found myself struggling with this command. It's hard. I want to ignore it. I want to skip over it. And as I was reading and studying this week, I found that most commentators did decide to skip over this. <laughs> so I thank them all personally. <laughs> Perhaps they found themselves just like me in their studies. What do I do with this? And in the process, I did find myself wanting to give up and just forget about being perfect because who can be perfect? The Apostle Paul summarizes it for us as he struggled with this in Romans 7. He said, so I find it to be a law that when I I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members gets frustrated. He says, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, he says. Thanks be to God the Father, because through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we can, we can pursue the perfections of God. We can do this because he has delivered our bodies from death by giving his body as an atoning sacrifice his blood was shed for us his spirit has been poured out upon us so that we can die to sin and live to pursue the perfections of God and that is what this table before us means there is a a perfect sacrifice given for us a perfect Savior who did not deserve to be killed, but whose body was broken and whose blood was shed, who died for us so that we could live for him. This table before us shows us one who is perfect, 
so that we can go and do likewise. So that we can one day be made into his image and one day be perfect as we're in the perfect presence of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Oh Lord, give us the grace. Give us the wisdom. Give us the knowledge. Give us the power to pursue your perfections. To emulate the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a worthy child of you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you that you did not leave us alone. You sent your Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. For it is in His name that we pray. Amen.